Now, if I'm honest, then I have to say that I'm partial to every episode that I record. Each and every one has a special meaning to me. I believe it carries an on-time message that I hope encourages and challenges the listener, including myself, every single time. But there's something about faith talk that, uh, especially in this season, is just superior for me. It's a chicken salad, right? From 81st Deli, superior. If you know, you know. I am consistently in awe of the way God will break down and bust through barriers, absolutely anything that stands in the way or keeps us from knowing him, seeing him, and confirming and affirming that he knows and sees us. That's what tonight's episode is about. It's about the knowing, both in how we perceive others in our circumstances and the way God perceives, sees, and knows us. It's aspirational. It's inspirational. But most of all, I hope that you find that it's transformational. So let's get into it on tonight's episode of Rooted, Do You See What I See? Hey friend, I hope you have your Bibles out, your Bible app open on your phone, on your tablet, whatever it is that you use, because it's important that tonight we both hear and see the scripture together. Did you see what I did there? Because the episode's called, Do You See What I See? And I said, anyway, it it made sense when I thought about it originally. (laughs) Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 6 through 12. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 6 through 12. Now, this past Sunday, I attended a service where this scripture was used. It was actually verses 1 through 13 um, on Sunday, and it was preached powerfully by Pastor Patrick Kitely at Grace Christian Center right here in Texas. And his sermon was called, This is the One, which was a powerful declaration and message that if you can access it on their YouTube channel, I highly encourage you to do so. I was rereading that scripture and reflecting and another message jumped out at me and I just felt compelled to share it with you. And it has to do with perception and perspective. Let me read it to you and then we'll dig in. Is that okay? You ready? So 1 Samuel chapter 16, starting at verse 6, going to verse 12. It says, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemia. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome, 
with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one anoint him. So to give you a little bit of context, if you're not familiar with this portion of scripture, there currently is a king of Israel named Saul and God has rejected Saul and he's made Samuel, who's the current judge or prophet of that time, aware that he's going to send Samuel to anoint the next king. He sends him to the house of Jesse. Jesse parades all of his sons before Samuel and they're all rejected, leaving Samuel to ask, are there any others? And yes, there is. His name happens to be David, but he's out in the field right? And so David is hesitantly brought before Samuel and the Lord says, this is the one. And this is the same David that 15 years later then will take the throne as probably the most famous, if we could use that word, uh, most well-known king of Israel, most well-referenced and um, preached probably king in the Bible. And so I want us to break this verse or these verses down a little bit as we keep in mind this idea of seeing, of clarity, of perspective, of perception. And so I want to reread verse six for you. It says, when they arrived, Samuel took one look, remember that word, one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed, right? And so we know from that, that it wasn't anything that Eliab said that was extremely impressive. It wasn't anything that he did. He just stood there. Right. So we can only assume we can only deduce that Samuel's judgment was based merely on what he saw. He thought that the Lord had chosen Eliab based on Eliab's physical appearance. And this is confirmed in the next verse when the Lord says, hold on, little buddy. <laughs> um, I don't judge the way man judges. Do not think that I would choose based off mere physical appearance. I'm looking at something deeper. I'm looking at the heart. And so essentially God is telling Samuel, do not judge my selection off of appearances. Do not judge God's selection off of appearances. Wait a minute. Don't do it. Don't get ahead of me because I can feel you. I can feel you knowing exactly where I'm going with this. And if you don't want me to get excited and potentially run around this room and knock this microphone off the desk, then I need you to calm down and we have to do things decently and in order. You promise? Okay. Because did you hear what I said? God corrected Samuel and told him not to judge or assume he knew what God was going to do based on mere appearances. Now you did it. Now I have to go there. Look, we dare not assume that we know what God is going to do, what God wants to do, what God can do, or what God will do merely based on how things look. Because yes, yeah, sometimes our situations look a little dire. We may be in relationships that are struggling. Our health could be suffering. Our career might be meh at best. Or everything right now just feels really kind of blah. It looks bleak. And that's depressing because now I'm sad. <laughs> but friend, if we thought that he couldn't just because of how it looks, let me remind you who we're talking about here and why we might want to heed his call to stop thinking we know what's best based on what we can see. Because this is God, baby. Listen to this. Listen, you know what? As a matter of fact, I'm just going to let our father tell us 
who he is. Maybe we just need a little humbling. Maybe we just need a little reminding that we, and that Shanae is in the we, I'm part of the we, we don't know best. God knows best. And there are times that we could be judging and making decisions based only on what we can see and perceive. And God saying, don't judge what you think I will or won't do, can or can't do based merely off what you see. And so in Job chapter 38, verses one through 11, and this is just a little taste. If you really just want to have all of your feelings hurt, um, read chapter 39 as well. (laughs) But this in context is when the Lord is challenging Job because Job has gone through some severe suffering. His feelings are warranted. He's just starting to express his feelings a little haphazardly. He's getting a little reckless. And so God has been very patient. And finally he responds and he starts in verse one of chapter 38. And it says, then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Now other, other versions or translations will say from the storm. Okay. I know that's speaking to somebody. The Lord answered Job from the storm. Who is this that questions my wisdom? Other translations will say, who is this that darkens my counsel? We'll talk about that in a second. So who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb and as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness? For I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no farther will you come. Here your proud ways must stop. Okay, Lord, talk your stuff. Carry on. (laughs) Those few verses will leave you feeling checked by God because sometimes I think we forget that he's actually God, like the creator of the whole universe. He's our father, yes. He's our savior as well. But he's God, like bigger than our human minds can wrap itself around, right? If anyone knows what he's doing, it's God. If anyone can help us make better decisions, more wise judgments, and to see clearly, it's the one who not only created us, but created everything. There is nothing outside his purview or perspective. He sees all. He knows all. He is sovereign over all. Trust, friend, he's got this. So when God says in 38.1 of Job, to Job, who is this that darkens my counsel? That phrase means to obscure. Now you might be saying, that didn't make it any more clear. Why are you now darkening my counsel? Granted, I did that. I'm sorry. He's making, (laughs) what he's saying is, Job, you're making this harder than it needs to be. Who are you, young sir, young ma'am, to question my character, my ability, my wisdom? What credentials do you have to make my way complicated that I have already deemed as clear? I am God. I can see and understand It's you, friend, that's confused. And again, when I say friend, I'm in there with you, okay? I just want to be very clear. When I say you, I'm not speaking to you like, oh, Shania has it together and y'all just need to get it. No, I'm in there with the you. I'm I'm in the group. I'm with y'all. 
<laughs> I'm with you in, in that little circle. We're in a friend circle together, okay? But the thing is, what we need to remember is even though God basically roasts Job low-key, he loved him. And he knew that it was critical for Job to remember a couple of things. One, who God was. Job needed to be checked a little bit, right? But Job also needed to remember who he was and the vast difference between the two. The vast difference in God and Job's experiences, abilities, wisdom, and power. This is what we have to remember. We are God's children. And that comes with limitless benefits, both tangible and intangible. But you and I, friend, although we house the Holy Spirit as believers, we are not God. We are not equal to him. And because of that, we are not um, flaw-free. We are susceptible to having experiences um, and circumstances and personalities that can make our perceptions skewed off or even just outright wrong, um, if I may be so bold. In this case, Samuel, the judge and prophet of that time, had a sincere and genuine relationship with God. He obviously could hear him clearly, which is how we know that in that quick moment of misaligned judgment, God was able to speak to him and correct him. And Samuel automatically adjusts his perspective based on God's principles, right? But what it made me wonder, what it made me ask God more about is, why is it that Samuel, who was a godly, wise man by all accounts, why would he have just assumed that God would choose Eliab based on his appearance? What was so impressive about it? Why would that have been so poignant or pivotal for him? Um, why might he have thought that God would choose Eliab based on something so fleeting, something so just, you know, it wasn't his character, it wasn't his integrity, it wasn't his ability to war or to fight, his experience in leading, you know, a group of people. It was just based on how he looked. Why would Samuel have thought that God would somehow be impressed by that? And you have to remember that up until this time, remember, there'd only ever been one human king of the Israelites, and his name was Saul, and he was the current king. And let me read to you a physical description of what Saul looked like. This is something the Holy Spirit pointed out to me. In 1 Samuel 9, 2, it says, Kish had a son named Saul, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. And he was a head taller than anyone else. Now, remember in our text for tonight in 1 Samuel 13, 6, Samuel looked at Eliab and thought, surely this is the one, meaning he was convinced, like it was something that was jarring that he thought, oh, this is, this is the one right here. And God says, no, I don't choose based off of looks. And he mentioned specifically height and appearance. Remember, stay with me. Samuel saw Eliab and because Eliab fit the mold of Saul, he then assumed that's who God had chosen. Stay right here. God doesn't have to, hear me, he can, but he doesn't have to repeat what he's already performed. Just because we are presented with a person, a situation, a circumstance, an option, etc., that looks like what God has done in the past, don't assume that's what he's trying to do this time. He doesn't have to repeat what he's already performed. So friend, let me ask you, what are you looking at that you have convinced yourself is God's answer to your problem because you're too afraid to let God out of the box and provide what he truly intends for you? Are you staying where you are? Are you stuck? 
because you can't let go of what has been, what you thought he was going to do. Let's be honest, what you thought he should have done. Are you seeing things clearly? Are you judging based on God's perspective or are you choosing out of your preferences? I have to repeat that. Are you judging based on God's perspective or are you choosing out of your preferences? Ouch. It's okay. I know my toes hurt too. Imagine it being downloaded directly into your spirit. Okay. Ow. Ow. Now this is the next part that messed me all the way up. Right. So spiritually, the easy way out of this whole situation this whole lesson, this whole example would be to conclude that all things that look good aren't good. And that has some warranted wisdom to it, right? However, you might also then assume that if it looks good, it can't be good because, you know, as people, we be people in and we like to go to extremes. (laughs) But did you hear the description of David? Let me read it again. First Samuel chapter 13, verse 12, it says, so Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. So David was fine, y'all. He was handsome. He had some melanin. He had beautiful, I don't know, I'm thinking probably like a warm hazel eye, right? I don't know. I took some liberties there. But by God's own definition, David was cute. So you might think, well, if Eliab was attractive and David was attractive, how was Samuel to know which one was supposed to be king, right? Because just looking at these two options, they look good, both of them. In more practical terms, you might say, okay, I'm facing a decision in my life and um, option one looks good. And so far, option two looks good as well. How do I know which one I'm supposed to choose? Great question. God says he makes decisions based on the heart. He makes decisions based on things that you can't see outright. The heart would include our character, our motives, our attention, intentions, our desires. Essentially, God's saying, I look deeper. We as his children who are called to model his behavior must also look deeper. This season of your life that you're in is not going to tolerate surface level assessments. You are going to be called to make decisions that reside in what may appear to be a gray area. You're going to have to call on wisdom, discernment, wise counsel, and the Holy Spirit to do the work of asking questions to determine what the right decision is. Growth, the kind that your next season is dictating, cannot be passive. You are going to have to engage. The opportunities coming your way are too vast. They're too complex and you need to be able to confidently make the right choice. It starts with adopting God's principles and his perspective, period. We are not children anymore. We can't make decisions based off a whim or a feeling. There is too much kingdom ground at stake and you, friend, are called to be a soldier on that battlefield. You do not have to see things the way you've always seen them. It's okay to let go of what's comfortable. Let go of what you've seen God do in the past and let him, if he so wills, do a new thing, a better thing. Let him change your perspective. You can trust that you have no better vision, doctor, than the Lord. Can you see it? Can you perceive it? 
Isaiah 43, 19 says, behold, I'm about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? So friend, I have just a few takeaways for you that I hope will help you see God, see yourself and your circumstances more clearly. And with all of it together, really help to flame, um, to fan your faith into flame. These are just a few takeaways. Number one, God's principles, character, and power are unmatched, and they can be trusted to shape our perspective. God's principles, character, and power are unmatched, and they can be trusted to shape our perspective. Number two, God's not obligated to repeat performances, especially if it would not serve us in our next season. God is not obligated to repeat performances. It doesn't have to look like what he's done in the past. It doesn't have to look like what you've always experienced, especially if what he wants to do is better, especially if what he wants to do is truly going to serve you in your next season. And number three, we can make decisions based on God's principles and perspective and not out of our preferences. We can make decisions based on God's principles and perspective and not out of our preferences. I love you so much. I'm Shania and this is Rooted.